You're listening to episode number 16 of the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. In this episode, we're doing a super fun Q&A and we're answering questions from you, our podcast listeners, today on the show. We're covering how to set boundaries to avoid being a workaholic, guilty, how and when to go full-time, how to cultivate confidence. Ooh, we have lots to say on this topic. <laughs> Finding your niche, dealing with unsupportive friends or family, how to hire a team and when to know what to hire first, and budgeting as a freelancer. Ooh, guys, this episode is packed to the brim, so brace yourselves, because this one is loaded. All right, let's get to the show. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. All right, Evie, we are live. We are on the air. We are ready to hop into a Q&A. Let's go. I am ready. My solo clap in my closet. <laughs> so guys, we are starting to do a Q&A episode, ideally maybe once a month. And where we're getting these questions is in our Facebook group, Heart and Hustle Community. If you are not in there, go to the show notes. There is a link you can join. And if you want to ask us questions, your question can be answered potentially in the next Q&A episode. So if you've ever had burning, burning, burning questions <laughs> uh, for me and Evie, now is your chance. That is how you're going to get your questions answered on the podcast. So we're so excited about this kind of new addition to the podcast. We're really stoked to kind of answer your questions and deep dive into a bunch of different topics on like kind of a smaller level. Yeah. So let's start off with today's first question. This comes from our girl, Tori. She asked, how do you avoid being a workaholic? What kind of boundaries do you put in place to keep your priorities straight and not go crazy? So... Mm. Mm. first and foremost, I do want to clarify. I think Lindsay and I are able to fully acknowledge that both of us have very strong tendencies to be workaholics. If we're not careful, we are not, I don't like claiming that we are workaholics. I don't think that's an identity we should be taking on. And I encourage that to anyone who's listening as well. However, I will fully admit that my personality tends towards loving what I do and being very obsessive about something I'm passionate about, which happens to be my job. Um, So it's very easy to fall into a workaholic lifestyle or mindset if we are not careful. So we get this question to our core and we have a lot to say on this. But first and foremost, I think the number one thing to keep in mind is creating boundaries, no matter what that looks like for you. I think every person has different lifestyles, different relationship situations. You're married. You have five kids. You have one kid. You have no kids. You're not married. You're totally single. Like whatever that looks like, it looks different for every person. So therefore I think boundaries are going to look different for every person, but creating the boundaries that you know work for you and being willing to experiment with them, I think are beyond vital in this scenario, whatever that looks like for you. And for me, 
Specifically, in the last, I would say, year, year and a half, I've really started implementing the boundary of a cutoff time from work, very specific work hours. I usually work, I think I've talked about my morning routine or my routines pretty consistently, but I usually get up around like between 5.30 and 6, go to the gym, have Jesus time, make breakfast, and then come back and start work usually around 7.30 or 8. And then I work until around 4, maybe sometimes 5, and I'm done. I'm done for the day. I have an entire evening off, and that's my time to recharge and really make sure my priority in my entire life is not just my work. So that's been a huge game changer for me is setting very specific work hours and very specific days off. I always take Sunday off unless it's a workshop or anything like that. But Sundays are my day off, sometimes even Saturdays too. Days off and cutoff times from work are huge for me. Something else that I'm trying to get into the mindset of, my husband's really encouraging me on this, is treating my phone and treating social media in general like it's work, purely work. So then, like you said, Evie, when there's a cutoff time, I am done with my phone. Unless I need it for some weird thing or someone calls me, I am done with my phone. I put it down and I'm notoriously bad at this. I'm still working on it just as much as you guys are, but cutting that off and being really intentional about that, creating that boundary, especially if you know that it's a weak point for you. Um, Even further than that, I know a lot of people do social media free weekends. My friend Chelsea Antos does this hashtag movement called Take Back the Weekend, and I love it. And me and Andrew are slowly trying to work towards that. Um, But I think it is hard when you have a personal brand and you're showing your life almost like on stories or, or whatever you're you're, you're showing your life and how does that, how do you balance the, the balance? I guess that was weird, but how do you balance having it be your work, but also enjoying and like shutting it down? So there's, mm-hmm. there's that, but I really love what Chelsea does with, she shuts off her phone and I mean, she doesn't shut off her phone. I think she deletes her app, which is like the Instagram and Facebook app, which is amazing, but she shuts it off at like Friday at five and then doesn't turn it back on until Monday morning when she steps back into her office. So if that's a really other, a really great other way to set up a really strict boundary, if you know that that's kind of a struggle point for you. Um, another option is during your work week, make sure that you are very intentional and very focused and productive with the tasks that you do have. Um, things like creating lists on Sunday, sit down and create a list for the week and make sure that every single day you start your day with the most important needle moving tasks on your list. That way, if you get to five or four or whatever your cutoff time is, when you get to that point, and obviously you probably didn't get every single thing done on your list, you have a cutoff time and that stuff can move on to the next day. It doesn't, you didn't save the most important task for the very end of your day. And then you're feeling stressed because you're supposed to have a cutoff time, but then something has to get done. So make sure that you're prioritizing lists, um, that you're really setting those goals. And then batch working also is something that's really useful. Like batch working today, for example, is a Monday. Mondays are our podcast batch working day. So that's also something that's really, really um, helpful as well. Yeah. And, and to tag along with that, for example, showing you guys, not only our Mondays are batch recording day, but Lindsay and I are recording all day today. And I know that Mondays, like by the time we're done recording our last episode today, I'm going to go do some emails and be done for the day, period. It doesn't matter. Like it's, it's easy for us to feel, especially when working on one task, 
that, okay, I've been batch recording podcast episodes all day. I haven't handled anything to do with my presets. And it's, it's easy for me to, you know, feel like, oh, I, I need to work the rest of the evening on presets because I haven't even touched those today. But tomorrow yeah. is going to be my preset batch day. That's what I'm going to do is sit down and work on my presets all day tomorrow. And so today is just my podcast day. And once today is done, once we've pressed unrecord or like end episode at the end of today's last episode, I just am going to respond to my clients on my emails, probably take me 20, 30 minutes and I'm done for the day and I'm signed off. And so creating those like batch working days, the to-do lists, which go along with batch working and the goal setting. I think I kind of want to touch on that just really fast, creating a goal in your business of, okay, so by spring, I want to have this many podcast episodes batched. I'm obviously using my example, but, and then presets released by this date. And then the workshop is coming out in March. And then, so in my head, I know exactly what's happening, things that are happening in the spring of my business. So then I'm able to backtrack and be like, okay, this spring I have these four big projects and and launches that I'm working on and focusing on this month. This is the project that I'm focusing on this week. This is the task for that project that I'm focusing on. And so it's very easy for me to, with that list and those goals and those, uh, priorities for me to work and focus on exactly what's important in front of me at that time. And once that to-do list, that task or that project is completed, I'm able to shut off before turning back on the next day for the next project. So I think that's super important. Just creating those boundaries, even within your work of what's due when and focusing on that and not everything all at once. Cause I think that's a lot of what creates that workaholic mindset is having you feel everything needing to be done at the same time, but that's not true. So being able to like sort that out in your head of what's due when and what needs to be prioritized, that will really help you create a routine and a system that allows you to actually take breaks and not just live your life for work. Cause if you don't prioritize and you just have a constant running stream of to-dos and tasks, like there's always going to be something else to do. Right Mm -hmm. now, if we stopped, if we say we finished this podcast and I was done for the day, there is a bajillion things that I could still get done. And you can't think like that. You have to prioritize prioritize that season and that task and that day. Um, Another thing is a lot of creative entrepreneurs, I know you typically have turned their passion project and turned that into a monetization a, a, a process, like a business that makes money from their passion. Um, for us, it was photography. We love photography. And then we turned that into a business. So it's really easy to get burnt out on the the art or the, the passion that you used to love um, super easily because you're making money from it. So my suggestion also to not have that workaholic mindset is to make sure you're also having a hobby that does not make money whatsoever. Make sure you have Mm -hmm. hobbies that are just completely different from what you do for work. Um, That's really, really important. I found, and lastly, I think honestly, one of the most important things for me, especially now that I have a family with, because I'm a notorious workaholic, notorious. Um, But again, I won't claim that. So I'm not. So great. Um, (laughs) But I always think what's super helpful is looking forward 50 years. Say I pretend that I'm 80, right? When I look back on my life, what do I want to see? Do I want to see all of the nights that I slugged away at the computer, ignoring my family and being like, oh, just one more email, just one more text, just one more post. Or do I want to see all of the beach days that I quit work at noon and went to the beach with Andrew and Eloise and 
appreciated my family. All the vacations where I stopped storying something and put my phone down because I was Mm -hmm. in the moment with my family. And that is what I want my legacy to feel like when I'm 80. So that I always think about that in the moment. Um, Obviously, yes, work has to get done, but where does it fall in your priority line? That's what really pulls me back to my focus and what I really want my legacy to be about. That's so good. Yeah. Lindsay, didn't you have a quote uh, about uh, changing the world? Oh, yes. Please say that. Yes, it's, it's so good. I I can't remember the exact quote, so I might be botching this, but I think it says something like, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Oh, for, I just yes, like, chills. Just, like I, get, <laughs> I get chills thinking about that because it's so true. Like life starts at the family. If yeah. you want to change the world, we're going so deep into this one question. Can I just say, but <laughs> if you want to change the world, go home and love your family and mic drop done. Okay. Next question. Okay. okay. Question number two. <laughs> Um, Elizabeth says, when is it time slash advice for taking the leap to being full-time? Oh, this is another big one. Um, We're going to try to keep these a little shorter so we can get to more. (laughs) Yeah, Lord, we have a lot to say clearly. Okay. I would say there's two different types of ways to do this. The first way is to take the leap technically before you're financially ready to just be like, screw it. I'm going full-time and quitting my job. I don't have the bookings for that year in yet, but I'm just going to do it. I would only recommend doing that if you have a spouse or a partner supporting you, or you have a savings account filled up or a back job opportunity, something that you can fall back on. That is my only recommendation when I, but I, I say that's an option because that's exactly what I did. I was married to Andrew and I went full-time right after we got married. So right after we got married, I said, Hey, bye. I'm going full-time. Yay. Photography. (laughs) And that's what I did. And we had Andrew's salary to fall back on if I weren't, if I wasn't making enough bookings right at that moment. So that's one avenue. The second avenue I would say is make sure that you have a promised income for the year. So the like before, like make sure you have the bookings booked up. And if you have to work at night, while you are full-time at a full-time job, then do that. Make sure you you do that work before you say, given your, put your two weeks, I can't talk, put your two-week notice in <laughs> and make sure you have that that for the year so that you have that security to like fall back on. And so it kind of depends on what type of person you are is what I would say. Yeah. I think with point number two, like making sure you have a promised income, it also just circles back around to, have you actually offered this service or this product before, or like, have you sold it? I think a good tip for this is, have you received sales from whatever it is that you're trying to sell? And if so, fantastic. You know, it's, it's marketable, you know, it's sellable, you know, it's, it's desired. You are most likely going to be able to turn this into a very profitable business. But if you are sitting there wanting to, let's say, become a wedding coordinator or something related to that, but you've never coordinated a wedding and you're thinking, okay, if I just like jump now and, you know, go full time, I have a good savings account in my, you know, I I could probably make this work. I would say just make sure you have a promised income, like make sure that you actually have, even if it's super small, you have some sales, you have one sale, you have a business built, you have a business name. Maybe you've, you know, built a, could be really jank, but you've built a website, you know, something like that. Just make sure you know that 
this is most likely going to work and you've had sales from it in the past. I think that's, you don't have to have a full year of, okay, I'm guaranteed to make, you know, 80K this year. You don't have to have that, but you, I would say have to know, okay, I'm, I have a few sales in my pocket for this year and I'm pretty sure I can make this absolutely burst open if I give it full time. You have to have proof that people are interested in what you're selling. Plain Mm -hmm. and simple. Yeah, I, I mean, you line. have a really good example. I think lastly, when it comes to when do I go full-time? How do I go full-time? Evie has the most perfect example of this because I think at some point, your full-time job, if you're doing a full-time job and then working in the nights, in the nights, that was weird. But if you're, <laughs> if you're kind of double doubling it up like that, at a point, it almost becomes counterproductive. So Evie, I'm going to let you it tell us. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know my story, I worked full-time at a restaurant for about nine months while I was really building my business. And I was working, I think I was working like 70, 80 hour weeks. It was insane what I was pulling. I was working full-time double shifts at the restaurant and getting up, staying up until about 3 a.m. and waking up at 7 a.m. to work on my business photography even more before heading back into the restaurant. And then on my breaks, I would literally take my laptop into work. And on my breaks, my 30 minute lunch breaks, I would be editing a gallery. I would be emailing clients. Um, I was just hustling so, so hard in that season. And there came a point where I knew I had absolutely hit a wall and my wheels were just beginning to spin on my photography. I had put in as much work and hours as I could while still holding that full-time restaurant job. And it was beginning to just hit a crossroads where I needed to choose. There was only so much I could do in my photography business with those hours. And I was hitting that wall of, okay, either I just maintain my business photography right where it is, uh, and don't grow it anymore. Even though the growth rate was insane at that point, I was like, I can keep the full-time job and keep my photography where it is, or I can quit my full-time job and I can let this business grow to where I know it's going to. And so I quit my full-time job and uh, within, I believe it was like three or four months, I went from, I think, five bookings for the following year. So I quit my job, put in my two weeks, February 1st. And by April, um, I had fully booked out my entire year. I had like 35 weddings, like 40 couple sessions, like 25, 30 mentor sessions. It was insane. But I knew that that growth was possible if I had the time and energy that I was currently giving to my corporate restaurant job. I, if I had that time and energy for my own business, I knew I could get to where I wanted to be. But I also had that backup plan. I was living with my parents at the time because I wanted that safety net. I wanted to know if for some reason this business does crash and fail, I can always go back to the restaurant. They loved me. I left on great terms and I'm living with my parents. I don't have any bills. I don't have any rent. So it was a great situation for me, but that was just one of those situations. Sometimes you get into that place where you've done all you can while juggling two balls. You need to just focus on one thing at a time and you need to give it all of your energy because you're dividing it too much. And you can only do so much when you're dividing it that far. Yeah. I think to a point, it, it once you get so far, your full-time job then can actually hinder you from being able to go full-time just because of the time. Like purely, sure. if once you quit your full-time job, you were able to give all of that time that you were giving to the restaurant and now push it 
to your business and really market and put yourself out there. And then you were able to grow that much faster. So yeah, absolutely. I would not, I would not be where I am today if I had stayed at the restaurant job, even a few months longer, like without a doubt, I needed to quit. So if that's somebody out there is needing that encouragement and you're feeling like that's you, I would just encourage you take that leap. Um, be smart about it, obviously, but sometimes you just, you have to jump. And if you're feeling that push, I just want to encourage you jumping can be really scary, but it can also be really exhilarating. Okay. Question number three. Mm, I love this question. Bethany. And this is good. (laughs) Bethany said, confidence, confidence, and more confidence. How do you strengthen it? How do you keep it? And how do you not let life outside of your business affect it? What are actual things that you can do to help? (sighs) Okay. I have so many thoughts on this. (laughs) Um, We get this question a lot. I, yeah. I think because we're naturally confident people and and we, we we get it a lot. So here is the answer officially. <laughs> I just want to say, Lindsay and I, when we were sitting down and we read this question, our immediate answer, without a doubt, and the number one answer, not everyone believes this and we respect that. But for us, the number one thing that we do intentionally to cultivate confidence is spend time with Jesus, period. He is everything for us when it comes to our identity, our confidence, our peace, everything, our focus, everything comes from Him. So being intentional and prioritizing time with Him every single day and listening to His voice about you and what He has to say about you, not what the industry has to say about you, not what other people have to say about you, not what that random stranger on Instagram had to say about you in that nasty DM. None of that matters. What matters is what your Lord, who created this entire universe, has to say about you. He created you too, and He has so much to say about you. And if you just turn on your ears to what His voice is saying about you, your life will be completely changed. I can't even stress this enough. The minute I have a doubt about myself, the minute I have a question of, oh, am I to this? Am I to this? Oh, am I good enough for that? I don't feel like I'm this enough. Whatever those doubts are, the minute I feel that, I immediately turn to my heart and I say, God, what do you have to say about me? What do you have to say about this? What are your voices here? Because his voice will drown out every other voice that you're hearing, every other lie. His truth is stronger than any lie you're believing about yourself. And those lies are what are tearing you down and keeping you from being the confident person that you want to be and that you can be. Hey, Heart Fam, we had to interrupt this episode real quick to share with you something that's revolutionized our workflow. Everyone always asks Evie and I what the number one investment is that we've made in our businesses. Without a doubt, the best investment we've ever made to get our life and time back is HoneyBook, a client relations management software. We both use HoneyBook every single day and legit could not live without it. It's an all-in-one project management tool that's designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs. I honestly don't know what I would do without HoneyBook. It streamlines everything. Email conversations, client workflow, contracts, invoicing, calendar integration. HoneyBook literally coordinates everything for my business. They thought of everything that a creative entrepreneur could need and combined it all in one place. From templates, brand customization, an app so that you can send invoices while you're on the go, all the way to the little ka-ching sound your phone makes every time you 
you get paid, aka my favorite part. (laughs) HoneyBook gives you the ability to streamline an excellent client experience from your fingertips so you no longer have to spend 24-7 working in your business and you can finally get back to living your life instead. Guys, we know you're going to love HoneyBook just as much as we do. In addition to a free seven-day trial, we have an exclusive offer just for our podcast listeners. 50% off your first year of HoneyBook. Guys, that's a $200 value. All you have to do is go to share.honeybook.com slash heart and claim your discount. That's share.honeybook.com slash heart. Or you can check out the link in our show notes. I think there is a point in time, not a point in time, you have to rewire your brain. Because yeah. we're we're living in this world, we constantly have bad thoughts about ourselves all the time. Like everyone, everyone struggles with that. And then more so, we struggle with what people say about us. When people are saying bad things about us, like on this podcast, when I read a bad review, I get down on myself for a minute, and then I literally immediately think, "What does God say about me? Who am I?" Mm-hmm. And you have to rewire your brain because when you're constantly <clears throat> saying like, "Oh, I I'm not successful," or "I'm I'm fat," or whatever the heck that you're thinking, you have to rewire those thoughts that are coming into your brain and say, "No, stop that thought. That can go to hell. I'm just gonna mm-hmm. jump back to the side." What is the truth about me? What does Jesus say about me? And Spark Notes, he says, you're amazing. I don't know if it says amazing in the Bible exactly, but he says, you are a gem. You are a treasure. He loves you so much. Okay, I'm going to step down because you like were on the pulpit. That was beautiful, Evie. Um, <laughs> I think... For- Yeah, I think for people who, no, you're good. I think for people who don't believe uh, the same way we do, which we 100% respect, uh, there are some other very practical tips and tools that Lindsay and I also are very passionate about and that that I think are very important. Um, Investing in community and people who are going to support you and speak truth into you is super important. Having people who are constantly tearing you down or doubting you or speaking fear, whether that's about their lives or about yours, I think really affects us more than we even can realize sometimes. Uh, So creating that community is so important. And then on top of that, just positive affirmations, uh, speaking life to yourself, um, whether that's waking up every morning. I think we've all seen that video. If you haven't go YouTube it where this little girl, like in the morning is like standing on her countertop in front of her mirror. I think she has a hairbrush in her hand and she's like, you are beautiful. You are powerful. You can do whatever. Like she's like going off. She's probably like three or four and she's the cutest little thing. But I think stuff like that is actually really powerful to like, look yourself in the mirror This is something I had to do for years when I was struggling with cystic acne. I was like, I felt so unbeautiful and I was just really struggling with feeling like beautiful, especially in the morning when I would put on makeup. So something I would do instead of sitting there and it would all be subconscious, but sitting in front of my mirror, I would sit and I would basically be like, you are disgusting. Like your face, those pimples define you. Like it was subconscious, but it was thoughts that were tearing me down. And I would finish like, my makeup routine and head out the door feeling completely defeated before I'd ever even started my day really. And so I realized that after a bit of time and I would sit down in front of the mirror and very intentionally, I would be like, you're beautiful. You are loved. You are powerful. Your acne does not define you. You are just as beautiful as that model that you saw today because beauty is from the inside and blah, blah. blah. And I would just sit there and be like, I love this about me and this about me. And I think things like that, writing them down on a whiteboard, on your mirror, on your desk, wherever you're going to see them in your car, sticky notes are a great tool here, guys, write down 
things, whether that's something God's spoken about you that you want to remember or something that you love about yourself that you want to remember, write those down and have them in front of you. Just affirm yourself. If you would not speak it to a friend, don't speak it to yourself. Speak life to yourself the way that you would to someone else. Yes. So I hope that gives a good roundabout answer for anybody, no matter what you believe. Um, But ultimately, when someone asks us, that is our answer is Jesus. That is every time you see us acting confident and not caring what people say, um, it's because we believe his word is more important than what anybody else says about us um, or what we say about us. Because I read a, or I didn't read, I listened to a sermon the other day that said, how you feel is not how you are and how you feel is not who you are. Like we have Mm. to got, we have to stop getting out of the mindset of being like, oh, I think I'm this way. So it is. No, like get those thoughts out of your head, especially (laughs) when they're negative, like believe what Jesus says about you because it's true. So that's all we'll, all we'll say on that. But We can get off our little um, pulpit. Um, Okay. (laughs) The next question is from Ashley. She says, how do you find your niche when you love many different styles or things? Ooh, this one is good. We are huge believers of picking a niche and narrowing down your focus of your business. Mm -hmm. Um, And before I dive into kind of the actual bulk of her question, I want to say why a niche is important. Um, Just kind of spark note that. People want specific answers to specific problems in life, right? Everyone's going around needing solutions to their problems. That is what life is about, more or less. That's not what life's about, but that's what people (laughs) do in life. Um, And when they encounter a problem, they need it to be answered. And the more niche and the more specific you can put your business I know it seems in the moment that you're you're excluding all of these potential customers, but really you're honing in and you're being so pinpoint specific to that one person, which is really a lot of people because a lot of people have the same problem, no matter how mm-hmm. niche or specific your problem is. When you whisper to that one person and you're saying, hey, I see you, I hear you because connection is key and I have a solution to that problem, boom, you've, you will make a sale without a doubt, when you create Mm -hmm. that connection and speak very specifically to that niche problem. So that, I just wanted to say that, why we believe in niches, niches, niches. Um, It's pronounced both ways for anyone who's very curious right now. (laughs) Perfect. Um, So I wanted to say that before, and then Evie, you want to actually answer her actual question? (laughs) Yeah. So I think there's a couple different ways that you can approach this. Um, I would encourage, when you are trying to pick something that you want to do, whether that's, you know, creating a business or if you've already created a business, for example, I I believe Ashley who asked this question is a photographer and was asking kind of how to dial in on a niche as a photographer. Um, so whether you're just trying to start a business or you've already have a business, you're a photographer and you're trying to pick which style to shoot, um, recognizing you need to have an intersection. Um, I believe I was talking to my friend Jordan about this, Jordan Dooley. I think she and I were having a good conversation about this. So if I got it from Jay, then I credit her, but I don't really remember at this point. Uh, The intersection is a three-way intersection and you view it from one of the intersections is skill. One of them is passion and one of them is needs. So recognizing I have a skill in this area. I have a passion in this area and I have a need 
from the world or from the community or whatever that looks like in this area, if you can find a crossroads between all three of those intersections, that's where it's ideal. That's where the magic is going to happen within your niche and within marketing. So you may be super skilled at playing the bagpipes, but unless you're living in some location like Scotland, Ireland, I forget which one does the bagpipes. I'm so sorry. Um, Unless I think you it's are, Scotland. That's what I thought. Um, unless, <laughs> unless you're living in Scotland where bagpipe players at weddings are, you know, really popular, most likely you're probably not going to get a ton of business of that in the middle of Kansas. Um, so recognizing you may have a skill for bagpipes, but first of all, do you have a passion for turning that into a business? And thirdly, is there a need for that to be filled in your area? So recognizing those three things when you're looking to niche down and find that perfect magical formula, um, those are super important things to keep in mind with that. And recognize sometimes your passions don't line up with your skills and that's okay. Sometimes your skills don't line up with your passions and that's okay. But if you can find that three-way intersection, that's great. You need at least two of those things though, to create a successful business and needs needs to be one of them. <laughs> so yeah. passion needs or skills and needs, one of those two need to be 100% in place when you're finding that niche. And on top I'll, of that, oh yeah, oh, sorry, you, you're, you're done. You're done. Or are you going? <laughs> No, you go, boo. The only thing I was going to add is you do not have to monetize every single passion that you have. Mm-hmm. Like You can have a passion and it does not have to make you money. Mic drop, that was all I was going to add. <laughs> okay, yeah. I think the other thing I wanted to add on top of that is sometimes narrowing down and niching down is a process. And recognizing that that's normal is really healthy, especially when you're trying to find that niche. Um, it is possible to create multiple businesses in multiple niches. That's the other thing I want to say you can create. If you're, for example, I think Ashley is a wedding photographer or a photographer in general. If you want to create a very niche down, very specific wedding photography brand, but you're also very passionate about families, creating a separate business and brand that is a family photographer is also a wildly viable option for you. Just separating those two so that you are very specific and niche down in each business is that's the bottom line. So giving yourself grace, recognizing that it's a process and that sometimes you have to try a bunch of different things before you really hone in on your niche. Give yourself that time. Number two, uh, recognize that intersection between skills, passions, and needs. And number three, you are able to create multiple different businesses. It might take a good bit of time. It might take a little bit of time, but whatever it'll, it, will happen if you want to create multiple businesses, but make sure each one is very niche specific. Don't go too broad or you'll lose the attention of your audience. So I don't know if that was helpful, Ashley, if that was kind of all over the place, but I hope that gave a little bit more light on how to pick your niche and how to decide what you want. Yes. Okay. Moving on. Next question. question. How did you get support from family and friends when building your business? For context, they are very supportive, but they also don't think I should quit a corporate job with full benefits ever. And that's not my dream to work in a windowless cube forever, regardless of how much money I make. That question is from beautiful Mm -hmm. Jordy. So (laughs) we have have thoughts on this. (laughs) Um, Both of our families were beyond supportive for Lindsay and I. So this is a difficult question for us to answer. Um, But from my understanding, from my experience, from the things that I've really learned as I've grown, find a community who will cheer you on first and foremost. 
finding that community, even outside of your family, if your family's not fully on board right now, or maybe your friends aren't board on board, maybe your family can be that community, whatever that looks like for you, just find those people who are going to cheer you on, who are going to support you, believe in you, because that is so important for creating your own business. That's Mm -hmm. so helpful. You can do it without the support of people. Absolutely. But trust me, it is just a rocket pack on your back when you have the support of your family and friends. Um, so finding that community of people, even if it's just other industry creatives, for example, the heart and hustle podcast community, join in there. Those people will cheer you freaking on, um, find find those people who are going to cheer you on. And then I would say, sit down with your family and explain to them your vision, um, how much money you plan to make with this business, how much money you think is viable with making in this business, how many hours you want to be working in this business. Show them that you actually believe in this plan. Show them your vision for this, your strategy for this, and lay out numbers in front of them. If they're really uncertain, show them examples of people in your field who are doing extremely well. Um, pop those numbers in front of them. Be like, oh, this person is doing exactly what I want to be doing and they're earning seven figures. Um, That'll probably blow some doubts out of their minds uh, if you're showing them a game plan and then the actual realistic, this is the reality of this person in my field who's doing almost exactly what I want to be doing and they're earning a bunch or they are super successful or whatever that looks like. Show them that proof. And then finally, buckle down and just prove it work hard, show them that you're actually willing to put in that effort and really give them that vision of, oh, they're working. They're actually doing this. This isn't just a pipe dream. This isn't just a wild fantasy that they have. This is a reality for them and they're going for it. The thing I will add from a different perspective of thinking about this in like a future generational thought is a lot of people are held back or are lacking confidence because they don't have somebody that's cheering them on or believing in them, which usually comes from a parental figure. And so we we both were super blessed to have that from our parents. But I will say, if there is any moms out there, if there's any dads listening, as a parent yourself, I think about this all the time with Eloise. I want to tell her every single day, when, when she can actually understand words that I'm saying, because <laughs> she's seven months old, but I want to tell her and infuse worth and value and confidence into her every single day so that she knows that she can do anything that she wants as she grows up. Like mm-hmm. I want to infuse that that security into her. And I think the more that we as parents can be there for our kids and show them that we support them, we love them, we are encouraging them constantly and not second guess their abilities or second guess like what they can do and be like, oh, is that really the best option for you? I mean, yes, we have to be critical of our kids, but I think more importantly, love them and show that you love them by constantly encouraging them. I think that will work wonders. If Mm -hmm. if you didn't have the parents that did that to you, then be those parents when you have a kid or if you have a kid, like make sure that you instill that confidence and that, that love into your child because then they're going to go out into the world and be able to be like, yes, I can do this. And Mm -hmm. they're going to, they're going to go so much farther, I think, than when they're constantly second guessing themselves. Yeah. Amen. Mic drop. Mm. All right. Next question. What was your first hire from Nadine? All right, Nadine, 
we both, I think, hired the same two types of outsourcing or independent contractors roughly around the same time. I think technically we both hired an editor first. We were photographers. And so that's kind of where we're coming from. Obviously, that doesn't um, account, like apply to every single business that might be listening or person that might be listening. But the first thing that we hired was an editor just because we were getting so sucked into time spent editing all day, every day in our business that we couldn't work on our business and we couldn't kind of move the needle forward and see the bigger picture of growing and scaling our business in the way that we wanted to. So that was the first thing um, that we kind of got over ourselves about. Um, and I know so many people have that fear that editing is super scary and they, they have that like clenched grip on their photos that they don't want to get rid of. Um, and like only they can edit to the superb quality. Um, it's not true. Editing and outsourcing that specifically is so much easier than you think. Um, just mm -hmm. contact an editor. It's so much easier than you think, guys. So that yeah. would be the first one. I mean, you want to say the second one? Yeah, absolutely. Secondly, we both got personal assistance and that guys, oh my gosh, for any entrepreneur or business owner out there who is feeling overwhelmed, who's feeling like they want to build a team or even just get some stuff off their plate, start looking into a virtual assistant, a VA. Those people are godsends. Um, they will take so much off your plate, help handle all of the repetitive menial tasks that aren't actually moving the needle in your business, but do need to get done. They're such a time saver. Um, so looking into personal assistants or if you're a photographer, editors, those are the number top two, not number two, top two uh, outsourcing hiring recommendations that Lindsay and I have if you're starting to feel a little bit stretched out. Yeah. For personal assistants, I just real fast want to give an example just so it's like a little bit more tangible. Um, before we had a personal assistant, we we're full-time photographers. But then in addition to that, we had our education company, which is the Hart University. And before we both hired Rachel, she's our godsend of a PA, VA, um, we, we were both planning every single aspect of our workshops, our in-person photography workshops. We were planning every single thing on top of doing all of our weddings on top of creating content. And so now that we've, I mean, this is just one individual example of, of the myriad of things that she does. She does so much. But now Rachel completely handles planning um, mm -hmm. all of our all of our workshops and just getting that completely off our plate so that we and honestly I think the more we've outsourced to her the more that we actually have time to go to photo, photo shoots and do what we love or create content for you guys that we love mm -hmm. like that's how we're able to sit here and do this podcast for you that we love because we're not sitting at our computer sp wasting time checking flights for travel. She does that. Mm -hmm. We're not answering a bajillion emails that we don't specifically have to answer. She does that. We're not figuring out catering or or Costco groceries or whatever recipes for our workshops. She does that. So guys, if you are at the place that you can outsource personal assistant, cannot recommend it enough. It'll be <laughs> okay, such great. a freaking life changer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Final question. God bless. We got this. Uh, this comes from Tali. I believe I pronounced that correctly. Tali asked, finances, specifically on how you budget when your income is client-based payments that are spread out. Ooh, mm. I have thoughts. <laughs> okay. First and foremost, create a spending plan. Now that circling back, taking a step back from that, you have to know all of your expenses when you're starting to create this payment plan. So know what your non-negotiable bills are every month. For example, whether that's your rent or your mortgage, your grocery bills for eating, any sort of you know internet bills, phone bills, anything that is non-negotiable in your life, you have to pay those. 
have that number solid and written down. And then look at each month. Do you have any final project payments? Do you have any, um, any sort of income coming in that month that you can look at and look at that confirmed number of bookings or payments that are coming in that month and then write that number down. And then glance at any sort of potential payments that may be coming in, any bookings that you're like really talking to that you think might book or might work with you or might buy your product or whatever that is. Glance at those, but do not count those. Just be aware that they might be coming in and they might shift your spending plan and your expenses those months. Lindsay, do you want to take it from here? Yeah, for sure. So I think looking at all those payments, being very aware of when they're coming in and what month and if you have enough to cover those basic um, must pay, like the the, the solid non-negotiable, that's the word, non-negotiable bills that you have, making sure that those are absolutely covered. And then if you have extra, then use it for reinvesting, whether that's new biz gear um, or just not new, new gear or new business opportunities or education or something else that you want to use to grow your business. That's an option. Or using that extra, if you have a month that you know is super booked, usually for wedding photographers specifically, like June might be a really profitable month because you're shooting a ton of weddings. And so you have way more than you need to cover just the non-negotiable bills. So if once you have all of that extra, put it towards months that don't have as much bookings. Yeah. So bottom line, honestly, guys, just plan ahead. Know your numbers, sit down, write those, write out those budgets, write out those spending plans and make sure you know your numbers. Yeah. Just be smart. Save up. I think that's the biggest thing is create a spending plan for yourself of how much you're allowed to spend on groceries every month on, you know, your mortgage, your rent, your phone bills. Just know that that's what you have to spend. And then the rest of it, save it and make sure, especially as, as an entrepreneur with unstable income or client-based payments that are a bit more like, you know, wonky, just save your money, be smart, be smart with how you spend it and just pay attention. Know your numbers every month, what you're earning, what you're spending. Um, I hope that's a little bit helpful. We're going to do an episode at some point soon talking about budgeting and spending plans way more in depth, but I hope that covered at least a little bit of it for you, Tali. Yes. Well, guys, I hope you liked this Q&A episode. We, I'm super digging these episodes. I think it's super fun to dive kind of deep into like random little topics that are super helpful, I hope, to you guys. So if you want your question answered, please join our Heart & Hustle Facebook group. We love chatting with you guys in there, um, just talking about different episodes, different topics. And then that is obviously where you can ask us questions that will get answered, hopefully on the podcast. Um, If you're also digging this episode, we would love for you to tag us in a screenshot, post it on your stories on Instagram. We love seeing those. We love um, interacting with you guys and seeing who loves what episode, which episode is your favorite, things like that. So cannot thank you guys enough for tuning in. We love you guys so much. Heck yes. Go kick some butt this week, guys. We are cheering you on.